Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to the Rings of Power. Um, this is episode four, The Great Wave. Um, yeah, Great Wave. I guess, uh, well, I guess I imagine what that's sort of referring to. I mean, it's probably double entendre, but anyway. So... It starts out on the island of Numenor, and Muriel is um, doing some kind of child blessing ceremony with babies. Um, I'm not sure what significance that is, but one of them is named R&L. Um, is, that, is, that, is that significant, or is that just... I don't think so. Okay. I was just wondering. I didn't really take it for anything, but... It's it's the kind of name people would have on Numenor, mm-hmm. so um yeah, while this is going on, Muriel has a vision where the flowers are falling off of the white tree and uh, a great wave comes flooding and the thing is it doesn't look like it's a vision because it just goes from the child blessing to this and you only see that it was a vision when Muriel snaps you know, out of it. Yeah, yeah, well, we get into why she was having yes. this vision. So we're about to get into that. Now, the Numenoreans aren't happy with um, what Galadriel has been saying to the Queen... Nor are they happy with Halbrand for quote unquote assaulting four tradesmen. Oh yeah, and they say that the elves. This this is what's funny. They they they, they say the elves are going to take their jobs. Yeah. She t- so she took her job anyway. Sorry. But yeah, Ferrazon is uh, instructing somebody who appears to be his son, Kemen. Um, about statecraft. Oh, when they said his name at first, I'm like, Kevin? Did they really say Kevin? And I, I checked, and it was not Kevin. It's Kevin, but that's about as Kevin. close to being named Kevin as... Kevin, just name Kevin. <laughs> well, you know, I thought other things were going on. Well... And... Yes, there's... Um, Men talking about elves are going to take their trades. They don't tire. They don't sleep. They don't age. So yes, literally, they're taking our gerbs. Yep, they took our gerbs. Yeah, they they're talking about them as if they're like uh, atomic, uh, like the automatons or something. So it's like yeah, the the robot elves, whatever. It's some sort of bizarrely placed commentary there. I don't know what's going on with that. But now that bit about elves not sleeping, it's kind of stuck a bit in the fandom but strictly speaking it's not true it seems to be based on how in Lord of the Rings in the book um, Legolas was seen capable of kind of resting his mind and dreaming while he runs so sort of an extreme version of horses sleeping standing up um, but no that doesn't mean the elves don't sleep ever but it has been passed around in the fandom a bit as meaning that. And so also, they probably... Humans probably would think that. I could see why they would think that, given the fact that elves seem to always be alert no matter what. So, and, you know, they don't know where these... I'm not things, totally so. discounting that elves do have certain advantages. Yeah. 
Yeah, they do tire less. Yeah, they do live longer. And yes, in general, they're better craftsmen. But anyway, yeah, there's unrest in Numenor about that. And Farazan is uh, rebuking them that they're, they sound like they're muling and you know, they're the proud descendants of the Edine and they built the great seawall. They, 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 they're great builders. They did all, all. They're men. They're great. And, they're proud. Yeah. You're getting all worried about one elf, although, as you elf. said, that's that's like saying that. Uh, I know that Optimus Prime just drove up, but still, uh, al- <laughs> all elf and robot analogies aside, the fact is that Gal- Galadriel's not going to. I don't think Galadriel's going to. You know, take out a shovel or uh, you know something like that. Galadriel, no. <laughs> just, just do menial work for for very little. Like she'd just be like, "Why would I do that? That's I have no reason to ever do that." And so there's no reason that elves would. It's a very weird idea that the elves would somehow go in there and alter the economy and like the elves would probably just be like, "Whatever, we don't really do. Much. They don't do much of anything." Like they just they're they're nature lovers and they're you know they, they think like, bringing some trade yeah they bring in trade but they wouldn't like they wouldn't take their like jobs that are literally like you know like the, uh, the uh, would an elf like an elf wouldn't really be become a stonemason or a carpenter because uh, they or, um if they did they'd do it for an elvish exactly. place not <laughs> but they they don't even really do that because I mean they don't. I don't know. They don't seem to do much of that. So anyway. Um, Kemen is seen uh, offering Isildur's sister, Iarian, a drink. It seems like they're trying to make there be the beginning of a relationship there. Uh, But she seems uninterested at that point. Galadriel thinks that Halbrand is some kind of exiled prince of the Southrons, that he's just not not just an ordinary soldier on the run like he appears to be. Um, she's still trying to get the Numenorians in on the fight against Sauron, which Muriel declines, and regarding Halbrand... She says, King or Carpenter, he will face judgment. Which sounds like it might be sort of a Christ reference, but where they'd be going with that, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But that's the thing. I don't know if it's just like they're trying to litter the place with Christ references, because it being like Tolkienism, or... We're not sure what they're trying to do with that. So, I guess we'll see in the future or not. It might be nothing. And Galadriel is arrested pretty easily. Yeah. Um, next you see some Numenorians on board a fast sailing ship and um, Isildur hears the sea calling his name and the sea also says some other stuff that uh, I confess I didn't quite catch but Isildur seems kind of in a bit of a trance and he releases a rope which 
takes part of the cell down. And he and three other boys are dismissed from that job. And the two other boys are angry with him for his mess up, losing all three of them, their jobs, and they're like, oh, he just broods about his dead mother all the time, and um, Isilda is seen walking off. Um, What do you think was the deal with that? The sea talking to him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if they're trying to tie in with some uh, other thing. Like I've already like, seen one fan taking a guess that a Maya may have been speaking to him I from the. I was wondering if it was supposed to be a Maya or even a Valar somehow, but there is a Sea Valar named Olmo, and yeah. um, there's a Sea Valar Union. Yeah, so I, I didn't know if it was something like that. Or maybe he's just imagining it and... Yeah, that's the th- well, that's the thing, is that we're still so early on, they're trying to lay everything out, uh, so we're going to eventually find out what's uh, just... Uh, what's just nothing and part of the story and what's going to be part of the bigger picture. Although I assume they're going to try and do as much of that as possible. Back in the orc prison camp where Ronder's being held, he's brought before this um, Adar, and yeah, the orcs are all ch- are all like moving aside for him. Oh, apparently, if you watch this with subtitles on, it actually says orcs grunting respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I that. Well, I didn't have the subtitles on, but according to Twitter, oh, okay. that's what it has. And they finally reveal Adar, and he he looks elvish. You know, he's he looks like an elf, but um, the side of his face looks kind of scarred, like the hound. Yeah. Uh, you know, he maybe he's been burned, or he's been in a battle, or maybe it's just to show that he's been corrupted in some way. But, um, and he is played by Joseph Maul, who you. If you've seen Game of Thrones, you may remember him as Benjamin Stark, or if you've seen Merlin, he's the sorcerer Alvar. Oh, yes, that's right. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Now, I should point out that in very early announcements for this show, he was announced as playing Sauron. Now, that doesn't mean that they kept that. Were those official announcements? It was like early announcements that he would be playing Sauron. Yeah, I don't know they, how official okay, they were. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I didn't really have any reason to doubt how official they were, but now that they're playing this they have, who, who's the real Sauron here game. Well, he, but here's the thing. You always have to assume that whatever source you're reading is wrong or possibly wrong because there's so many, like, there's so many news sources out there that are just, uh, that are just, like, it's as if they take comments from the internet and rumors and all that and run with them as stories, so that's, like, one of those, I'd be very, like, you never know, Well, Adar is seen, like, petting an injured orc on the head before stabbing him. Yep. 
And then, speaking Elvish, Adar asks Eronda where he was born, and his answer is Beleriand, which is a pretty gigantic area, so that doesn't narrow it down much. And um, Adar asks him by the river, and I, and there, and Adar is um. Now, which river is this supposed to be? Do we know? I don't want to mess this up. Okay, well. Because yes, we do know, but it's not coming into my mind. Okay. It's the one that goes like right into the sea. Okay. And. Adar is reminiscing about nature and what kind of nature is near the mouth of that river, like sage blossoms. Uh, he's totally going off there. And Aranda asks him why the orcs are calling him father. Um, and Adar doesn't directly answer this, but he starts cryptically talking about how there are many lies running so deep, even the roots and the rocks. And he also says that uh, he talks about, like, oh, only the gods know something. That he's not a he's not a god, not yet anyway. Yeah, so that could be taken either way, because um, Sauron is has, he's sort of in a gray area still, and and Sauron as a Meyer, he'd be like an angelic being or almost on the power level with like a small G. Yeah. So he arguably could be called that at that point, but if that is also, indeed who he is, but at the same time, he also might not consider himself that at that point, or maybe this is them showing him to be weaker than we think for the moment, and he's trying to. Or maybe it's not Sauron, despite all appearances. Yeah, there's a few people that think. It's I've not seen Sauron. some guesses that he's um, Fionnur's <coughs> son, Meglor. Although, okay, the Fionnurians were pretty sketchy as far as elves go, but this seems extreme even um, it's also been suggested that he's Meglin, the son of Eol the Dark Elf once again a sketchier elf but even still leading orcs and having orcs calling him father is yeah, that's possible So those are just three theories, one more popular and yeah, two others. Um, back to the Southrun ref refugees. Um, tempers are running short, so are rations. You see a guy dramatically set down a couple of handfuls of potatoes. Show they're uh, running short on the taters, and yeah, they want to get more food. And Theo and another boy are like, "Oh, let's go back into our old town that got taken over by the orcs. It's daylight; they'll not be out so much." And Bronwyn does not want her son to go. I mean, he does look like he's thirteen, so yeah. But he and the other boy go anyway. They, they want to be heroes. They want to get the food. They want to, you know, from from the uh, orcs. They want. They will think they can be brave about it. So anyway, they're they're all on. They are. 
As they're going along, there's a bunch of just slaughtered dead sheep out in the fields. The orcs didn't even take the meat, which is kind of unlike orcs to pass up fresh meats. Yeah, the sheep are just dead. There's a cow that has been butchered and apparently has been eaten. Um, Theo goes back into what I think was his old house and finds like a spilled sack of grain and he's scooping the grain back into the sack and then an orc jumps him and the yeah the orc actually swings a sword and cuts him but like up on his leg apparently not too seriously and Theo pulls out his uh evil-looking sword hilt, and uh, I don't know whether, like, blood touched it, or whether this happened without that, but it grows into a full-length, like, smoking-looking sword, and the orc is at first scared of that, but then they're like, oh, yeah, you've got our... you've got the sword hilt. Get him. And Theo runs and hides himself in a well. And even though the bucket hits him, he manages well, he, to not. He ducks. He ducks into the water, and he's okay. And the orc doesn't see him. And I was I was making commentary on that how it's a consistency with orcs not uh, checking under things or not checking below things, like people just hiding. Uh, you know, that seems to be the forces of evil in general, like. Uh, you know, with, uh... All right. With, uh, sorry, don't mind the dog. But with, uh, uh with... The dog seems concerned with, about something. I, I think a neighbor is hammering something. Yeah, anyway, so... But the point is that, that like, cue the hobbits, you know, hiding. Um, cue mm. anybody hiding, really. They're usually just hiding uh, behind something or under something or <coughs> just out of reach. But, you know, that's... And I was joking how that was one of those things, seeing that when I was younger, thinking, my young mind thinking, oh, that's a valid way to hide. And it's like, of course it's not. People uh, actually check their heads. So. Killer Brimbor is seen talking with Elrond and uh, talking about how Elrond is so like his father... Um, Arundel the Mariner. Yeah. And next, Elrond is seen in Dissa's home. Or I should say Dissa and Durin's home. And yeah. he, he's questioning her about her his whereabouts. Like, why... Why has he gone so long? Where is he going? Yeah. And she's kind of indignant. Are you suggesting he's got a, another girlfriend? Um, Which, of course, isn't true. And, you know, why didn't he bring his axe? Yeah. Well, because he's going for a quartz that is mined without an axe. You cooked his favorite food. Yes, it has to set several hours, this molehill stew. Uh, and she's somewhat offended at any impression that... Duran might be being dishonest. And meanwhile, the kids are making noise in the background. I've yet to see either of their faces. 
I hope they have beards. Yeah, I hope so too. We were already discussing, and again, it's whatever, it's water under the table and all that stuff. But we were discussing how our only complaint about the uh, women dwarves not having beards. We see more women dwarves. And they don't have beards either. And, you know, it's that's been, you know, sort of nitpicked. I mean, I wasn't yet. close up enough to see if any of them had, like, you know, peach fuzz or whatever, but they should have beards. Yeah, it's what we would have done, and it's alright. <laughs> it's whatever. Uh, otherwise, I love how the dwarves are depicted. It's very dwarfly, and uh, it's a little weird. They got underground gardening stuff going since dwarves are not farmers, and that's lighting issues. But hey, um, Dissa and Durin are seen walking together, and they are exchanging some flirtation. Um, and then Duran mentions the progress in the mine. And, um, Elrond thinks this is the old mine below Miramir. Um, I personally wouldn't think of mining below a water thing like that, but okay. Now he goes to check it out for himself, and he's poking around, and he knocks on some kind of secret door that opens... And he finds a vein of a certain shiny metal, which we'll uh, get to later. It's not gold. Uh, Durin finds him poking around in the mine and gets real mad. And Elrond's telling him he doesn't want what's in the mine, but secrets uh, don't become their friendship. What's wrong with Durin having a secret mind? I mean, what's it to Elrond? Yeah, well, I think he wants to make sure that... Well, he does rightly suspect that it ends up being something major, which, you know, we'll, we, we're about to reveal. But the point is that I think that he just was wanted to make sure there wasn't anything, you know, really unusual or harmful or, you know... It seems like, well, that's a, sort of an interesting thing is that the elves seem to be suspicious, and I think it's because they're waiting for Sauron to make an appearance, I guess. That's just a guess, though. I mean, they are acting suspicious of everybody, so that's, uh... And he's sort of acting suspicious there. But to be fair, if, you know, your friend says, oh, I have a thing and I don't want anyone to see it, it's like, well, you're gonna want to know what that is, you know? So that's a very, haha, human reaction. Well, Durin first tries to swear Elrond to secrecy and his first um, oath he wants Elrond to swear involves um, if he breathes a word of this to anybody, sorrow on all his kin. Um, what as if his kin don't have enough of that. And Elrond swears his own oath on the memory of his father, Arendelle, which Durin accepts. Uh, they've discovered what will uh, later be called Mithril in Lord of the Rings. You know, the very metal that they dug too deep for and released the Balrog. What uh, Bilbo and later Frodo's um, suit of armor mail was made from. Yeah, and that's the idea. Is that this is a new resource and a new potential for armor and weapons. And also, 
King Durin, so the father of the Durin was speaking of, was restricting access to digging in these mines because it's dangerous. So he's doing this without his father's blessing and possibly knowledge. And right on cue, a cave-in. The other miners are trapped, but Durin is not. And neither is Elrond. Um, next, you're back on Numenor. And... Um, Kemen walks into Yarion and splashes some water. At, yeah, they agree. They'll both scrub, and... Kemen says, uh, whoever's last done scrubbing pays for dinner. This is his way of asking her out. And she's like, oh, you think I just go to dinner with strange men? Well, I'll let you know if I see any strange men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Galadriel is pacing prison, and Halbrand is questioning her uh, diplomacy there with dealing with the Numenorians. And how Muriel was provoked by Galadriel asking to see her father. Um, they're to be shipped back to the elves under she is to be shipped back to the elves under armed escort. And so the king comes with a sword and three big men in armor. They don't have swords, but they are much bigger than Galadriel. And yeah. So what happens? <laughs> Tell them what happens, I guess. She very, very easily, so quickly, I couldn't see exactly what she did, just pushes all three men into her but prison it, cell. It looks, it looks like she corralled them. It looked like it wasn't even like so much pushing. As you said, it looked like she like wrapped a chain around sort of one of them, like that one of them, and just sort of corralled them in like they were sheep. In a few minutes, I like, mean, a few seconds, I should and say. It didn't seem like they resisted that much, but whatever. You could say that that's just Galadriel being broken, but that was still like a funny thing. And Sherry, uh, when she saw it, she was like, "What? That? I don't believe that. I want to see that again." And it was it was a very f- funny kind of humor. I watched moment. it three times, and it still I didn't see quite how she did it. Well, you're looking away. It's sort of a trick, and I sort of understand how people might be like annoyed by that. Like actually, like show her do something crazy, or I don't know. Maybe that's just it. Uh-huh. Um, Where's that budget going, though, Amazon? Anyway. Muriel does take Galadriel to see her father, um, Tarpalantir. Yes, that's his name. Who is elderly and sick in bed. Um, she speaks of his, um, loyalty to to the elves, which is a part of what lost her side of the family, the throne. Um, you may remember that Muriel was actually um, 
married to Farazan by force, and that Farazan was not um, supposed to be king. Oh, also they're cousins. Um, she shows Galadriel a palantir, which, um, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, it's that seeing stone that, um, Denethor had one of, so did Saruman, and, um, they were using it to talk to Saruman, like a phone. Yeah. And Galadriel's like, oh yeah, I've seen one of these before. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's, you know, that's one of those things, it's one of the ominous things that pops up. And, you know, with Numenor, you know, something bad's going on. That's a hint that something really bad might be going on. And, yeah, she reaches to touch it, and Muriel is warning her that this, this one's different. And as Galadriel's touching it, she sees a vision of herself walking and the petals falling off of the white tree and then a big wave that feels real enough to Galadriel that she actually steps back as it's about to hit her. And there... And... Muriel says that this is a vision of, you know, the doom of Numenor... And Galadriel says, all the kind of visions in these, many of them don't come to pass. Uh, Here's the thing. Palantir are not supposed to show visions of the future. They can show the present, or you can use them to talk to someone else who has one, kind of like a Skype. Uh, Something tells me Tolkien would have hated the internet. He would have. He would have seen cell phones. Like, okay, he would have known about, (laughs) maybe known about, he probably would have known about computers. He'd known about TV, of course, by that point, radio. He'd been like, okay... He clearly was okay. I don't know how okay he was with them, but he at least knew about them, surely. He probably would have seen, like, a cell phone, like the one we're recording on now, or when we look at something, we could, like, you know, he would have been like, that's terrible, especially just because it would... Everyone walking around with a Palantir in their pocket. Exactly, watching and doom-scrolling and things like that. He would not approve. Well, anyway, all this seeing visions that may or may not be the future, that's Galadriel's magic, not... Yeah. And that's the kind of thing her mirror does in Lord of the Rings. Well, maybe that was why she really was upset, is because of that. It's like, okay, she's now realizing she's going to destroy this place? What's going on? Um, Well, yes, Muriel's response is that the visions are already coming true because they start with Galadriel's arrival. And um, she wants to see to it that the rest of the vision doesn't happen. Um, She's still trying to get Muriel to help her to choose faith over fear. And I know what it is to be the only one who sees and knows... And her response is, Faith may bind one heart, Galadriel, but it is too fragile a thread to hang a kingdom. I'm sorry. Uh, In the south, the refugees 
Uh, they got two pheasants, so the foraging party's not going so well. Um, animals are all fled. Theo's friend gets back, and he actually has grain in the wheelbarrow. But Theo is still in the well. He climbs out again, gets a sack of grain, and gets grabbed by an orc. Uh, right when the orc's about to kill him, Iranda kills the orc from behind, um, takes Theo and runs with Bronwyn through the woods, orcs pursuing, and at this point, Aronder is doing what we call legolessing, doing... Yeah, he, he, he just starts taking them out, and he's practically using bullet time at this point. I mean, it's, it's basically... You actually see him grab bullet. an orc arrow out of midair, yeah. and shoot it out of his own bow and take out another orc. Yep. That's what we call legolessing. Yep. They get out of the woods into the sunlight, which stops the orcs. Um, so the thing with orcs and sunlight is they hate it, it hurts their eyes. Unlike trolls, they actually can go out into it, but they're very uncomfortable and they pretty much won't pursue enemies in daylight unless they're forced. You know, by some higher up, like, say, Sauron. Exactly, but they're not being forced enough, I guess. They're just occupying that town. And in the movies, I feel like this is kind of downplayed. And they're up playing it here. Yeah, and that's the thing is that some people I've talked to, you know, they're they're, they're not as familiar. They they think that there's like, wait, are works like vampires now? It's like no, they just don't like the light. They can go in it, they just really don't like it. And that's sort of a consistency with uh, not all because you have you know of course trolls start turning to stone, but that's, you have that's different. That's thing. how Thorin and company yeah. got enough of a head start when they got out of the goblin tunnels. Was it was. Light. Still light, and they could get a bit of distance between between them until Before. it got dark, and yeah. they get pursued with the wargs. And um, I'll mention now that even though this isn't important to the plot at all, the scenery they came out into is beautiful. It's got a gorgeous view, like moorland and mountain stuff in the distance. Um, except for the whole orc thing, I'd I'd love to walk there. Um, back to the dwarf mines, there's some kind of a ceremony going on, and the dwarves are, um, actually singing to the rocks to release the miners alive. And this is being led by Disa. Now, I think that's actually a little bit weird, lore-wise. I mean, I could see them maybe singing to their special dwarf... Dwarven Valar, um, Auli, but singing to the rocks themselves doesn't seem quite the thing. This is what they're doing, they're singing to the stones, and whether the stones listened or not, all the miners were found alive. They were returned alive after much drama. So, I mean, I think that they were, uh, I think there was implication that her singing slash prayer may have actually had an effect. And Disa thanks Elrond for being in that mine because she thinks that him being there and distracting Durin kept him from being in the part that caved in. 
um, the, the Dwarf King orders that mine shut down. Durin Jr. is furious. You know, says what he says he wishes he could, you know, say what he thinks of his father and all that. Elrond talks about his father, Arendelle the Mariner, who became the Evening Star. Um, he'd sailed all the way to Valinor and in um, reward for deeds had eventually um, been given the task of carrying slash, you know, being the Evening Star. And he thinks of his father and sometimes wonders would his father be proud of him or disappointed. But he'd rather hear, like, anything from his father at all, even if it's disappointment. But he can't now because his father's a star. And he's like, don't ruin things with your dad while you have the chance. Well, yeah, he's saying appreciate also, you know, just the fact that you have something. I don't have anything. (laughs) My dad became a celestial body. It be like that. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, one of those, it's sort of like a surreal, it's good wisdom, but it's very surreal. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, here's this mythic thing that, um, in other fantasy would likely be a probably not true thing. Just a metaphor or something. But here it is, like, no, his dad's literally a star now. Yeah, Uh, Um, Dissa asked Durin how he met Elrond, or Durin thinks he's the one being asked, I should say. And he's like, oh, he was saving Elrond from two hell trolls. And she's like, no, I was asking Elrond this. And Elrond's like, no, it was three trolls, and I was the one saving him. And you were screaming. No, it was a battle cry. It was so high-pitched I thought it was a child. Yeah, you know, they're just like friend bickering about it. Yeah. Um, Durin does go to his father and um asks him for forgiveness and his father gives him some dwarfly wisdom about yeah, you know, the wisdom of the dwarven fathers coming through to their king, but he's like, I'm gonna talk to you now. I'll always be with you even when I'm angry. Even when I'm angry, I mean, especially with you, there's nothing to forgive. Yeah, and he loves it. It's very touching. Very yeah. Touching. And can I just say his throne looks awesome? It's all like carved boar heads, and it's cool looking. And Durin's father um, gives his blessing to go to the elven area of Linden. Irondir has a message from the enemy, which is the reason why he was let go. That if they don't swear fealty, that they're gonna come for um, the place they're staying to. I did not catch the name of the place. It was us something, but that doesn't... Yeah, that just... Like roughly means like city or town that I didn't catch the rest of the word. Yeah. 
guess it's... I, I didn't really hear it either. Yeah. Theo is off with two older guys and his leg is bandaged up and he looks okay. And yeah, one of them is being all um Waldreg, I think. Yeah, it's being all weird and like showing him something on his arm and um Theo shows a mark on his arm too. And Waldreg is just acting weird, almost like he's possessed or something. He's talking about Sauron and the return of the servant and how he seemed to be talking about the sword, how it was like forged for their people to use. It's a sword, it's power fashion for our ancestors. Um, he was lost, shall return. You must have seen it in the sky. Stars, starfall means his time is near. Um, it's, it's really weird. Screen cuts to the place where the orcs are again. A warg is seen eating someone's arm. And, uh, orcs tell Adar that they found it in the tower. Um, Galadriel leaves, um, is going to leave Numenor, and people are gathered in the plaza for an announcement from Muriel. Petals are seen falling from the white tree, and they have a flashback to the how they believe it's tears of the Valar, the eyes and judgment of Valar. And she goes on, and they to be as statues or as heroes, and she will personally escort Galadriel to the Southlands, and any volunteers who want to fight against Sauron, um, various people volunteer, including Isildur and his two friends that got fired at the same time. So they as, are indeed going to war yes. against the forces of Sauron. So we were not expecting this, really, but... Oh, I don't know. Were you expecting it, Sarah? I wasn't. Really I wasn't sure it. what I expected, but I wasn't, really I wasn't expecting, expecting that. I wasn't expecting it based on what I knew, which uh, so it seems that it may actually be following the um, Silmarillion more than. Yeah. So. Um, are Silmarillion still... spoilers okay? I assume so. Well, this could lead up to the scenario where Sauron gets, say, captured in war and brought back to Numenor as a prisoner, and then eventually the king taking a liking to him, and now he's an advisor and leading Numenor to its ruin. ruin. Yeah, Yeah, and that that is considered a part of that. So that would be interesting. Now it would be the king, then, so this would be... Well... In at least the book, Muriel isn't actually into evil herself. It's more like, you know, she's a woman and doesn't really have that much agency in what the king does. And yeah, so what about the king? The king is, uh, uh, the king is very corruptible and yeah. um, goes along with Sauron's stuff and um, the island gets eviler and more corrupted and leading to its doom as they were looking at in the plantier in this. Yeah. 
Yeah. So maybe they're going to go that way with it. Well, that's sort of what I thought was going to happen, because I feel like it's applied that way. But... And they also seem to be having a who's the mole sort of thing going on with Sauron. Like, is Sauron, is it Edar, the um, corrupted elven figure? Is it the Gandalf-looking meteor man? After all, that's a star falling. Yes, it is. That's and true. him killing the fireflies was kind of weird and uh, not exactly Gandalf-y. I, yeah, but I still don't really think that he's supposed to be Sauron. There's even been some fandom suggestion that Halbrand is Sauron. After yeah, all, I... he's... He did He's just there. He um is. cut his friends loose when he was on the raft and he is a smithing type. But and um there was the finding of that black speech script and him possibly being someone important. Although I'm I'm not picking up actual evil vibes off of him. No. Like He's roguish, a, maybe kind of sketchy in like a mercenary yeah, kind of way, but much it. however, you never know, and it's one of those things where you know it could be a sudden reveal that, uh, as Sarah says, this is kind of a who's the bull type game. I mean, I'm still kind of with its Adar, but I do, I am too. I think that I, I still s- think Meteor Man is going to be Gandalf or possibly Radagast, but well, I still there are people that have made some good. Uh, some good guesses as to what would happen, but... Some people still think he's Bombadil. He doesn't have any of that Bombadil zaniness, and Bombadil would already be there. Bombadil would just be there. He wouldn't be, like, introduced like that. He would just be there the whole time. And, like, Bombadil's, like, that joke, like, with the whole, like, with God being, like, oh, he was there when I got here. (laughs) Like, who's that guy? Uh, Which, you know, hint, hint, of course. But either way, the point is that the point is that I don't think he'd be Bombadil. I don't think he'd be, uh... I don't really think he'd be Sauron either. But, uh, we're gonna see. Um, you have any other comments about it? I just I'm very curious as to if they're going to... How long they're gonna drag this out. And if they're just going to, uh... And if they're going to just, uh... I've wondered... Go right to the, uh part of the subject and reveal Sauron and reveal the other players and have them uh, have the war uh, advance. I've wondered, and this is very messed up, but I've wondered if Theo was going to grow up to be uh, Witch King of Angmar with that sword. And You're not the only one who said that. I've had several Yeah, I've seen that, that too. I didn't invent this idea, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, several people... That would be very messed up. Several people seem to think that it coming up with that on their own. Although I should point out that Angmar is a far northern kingdom, so what's uh, Southron doing being king of there, so... Yeah, you never know. So, that's it. Um, that's episode four. That's episode four, and uh, looking forward to what happens in the last four episodes. Um... I have not had access to any spoilers, so this is pure guesswork on my part, but I think Sauron is going to be, like, revealed at the last episode in the end. Of the season? That's what I think is going to happen. Now, this is not a spoiler, because I haven't seen any stuff from that. I'm just thinking here. Um, 
Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Thank you for listening to Cast Ends the Fire podcast, and good night. <laughs>